Welcome, everybody, to the Live and Amplified Livecast. It is an early Sunday morning here in Tallahassee, and I'm without my co-host because he is stuck in Roswell, New Mexico. But I do have some very special guests here from Nashville, Tennessee, Fort Defiance. I said Hello. Yep. Hey. Uh, how are you guys doing this morning? Doing great. A little sleepy. Yeah. Not going to lie. <laughs> I didn't want to... I wasn't sure if 10 o'clock was too early for you guys or... Uh, we can be anywhere. No, it's good. <laughs> yeah, we're good. And you guys are uh, on, in the middle of a tour right now. And yeah. just got done playing Tallahassee last night. Um, you guys are headed to where next? We're Fort- backtracking a little bit to Fort Walton Beach. Okay. Um, but then we're continuing on down into Florida. Okay, nice. And so you'll go down to like Miami and that area or not that far south? Uh, West Palm is the farthest south we're going. Okay, nice, nice. Um so for the people that don't know who you are, kind of give us a breakdown of who Fort Defiance is, where you guys are from, what got you started in music, all that fun stuff. Kind of give us a beginner tutorial of the group. Um, I guess we're a folk Americana band out of Nashville. Uh, we met about three years ago, I guess, in, in 2014. Um, started playing music together and touring around and eventually got to the point where we were playing so often we decided to just to do only that so uh it's february of 2016 we started touring full-time and that's all we've done since then mm-hmm. go all over the country um playing music it's both traditional and non-traditional i think it kind of looks back while still moving forward because it has a lot of uh, Americana folk roots, sort of in the Towns Van Zant, Johnny Cash vibe, but definitely our own thing with a modern takes on it. Um, I wouldn't ever want to really peg it into the. There's a lot of people really doing old country revival stuff, and we, I don't think we really fit into that as far back as that genre. But nice. But definitely old country influences. But definitely, yeah, yeah. the, the influence is definitely influenced by that. So, um, what got you both started? Or first of all, introduce yourselves individually, and then like what got you started into music. Um, I'm Laurel Lane, and I started. I guess I tested out a lot of instruments when I was really young, um, piano and violin, and I wasn't good at any of those things. But then in sixth grade, I started playing baritone. Um, so I can read bass clef, but I can't read treble clef. And so that's not really useful. <laughs> uh, but that kind of gave me my background in um, really harmonizing and finding melodies that aren't super obvious, which Jordan plays bass. So I guess that kind of works for both of us. Um, but you never have the melody when you play the euphonium. So then I started playing guitar when I was 14. Uh, my dad taught me a little bit and then I just learned from tabs off the internet. So I've been doing that for a long time now. Oh my goodness, I've been doing that for 20 years. <laughs> I just had a birthday. <laughs> so I've been doing that for 20 years and um, started playing the banjo when Jordan and I started playing together because I, I didn't want to just be a backup singer. I felt awkward just standing there um, and we didn't need to have two people playing guitar. So I learned banjo and, and ukulele. And I grew up in Virginia, if yeah. that's a fact that anybody cares for. Lynchburg, Virginia. 
Uh, I grew up actually here in Central Florida. Well, I guess we're in North Florida. Um, but down, I was born in Titusville. Okay. And then lived in Melbourne most of my life. Um, until I moved to Nashville about eight years ago. But uh, my whole family plays music. My mom was a professional pianist. My dad plays piano and saxophone. And, um, and then I'm the oldest of five kids, and we all, all of us play various instruments. So that was kind of in my blood. That's all I've ever really done and really wanted to do. Um, but I guess it wasn't until I moved to Nashville. I toured and stuff a little bit in Florida, but by the time I got to Nashville, that was all I was really doing. And um, I met Laurel... And when I just, I hired her to come as a backup singer on a tour and, uh, it went really well. We played some festivals. We actually came down here through Florida for a couple of weeks and, uh, played a festival and a few shows and got back to town and we're like, man, I think we can, we can make something happen. So we started playing full time and she became more than a backup singer. You'd sing every song now. <laughs> nice. Uh, so that, it's kind of where that started. Nice. Nice. Um, so what's it like being on the road 24 seven? What's, how, how has that changed? How has that change been for you guys? Uh, just going from traditional playing shows to going on the road 24 seven. I'm sure she's going to have a different answer than me. I was going to say, I can't remember what regular life is like anymore. So that's, <laughs> you, you go ahead and answer that. It, it's easier to do it for long periods of time okay. than it is. Like we have a lot of friends that are like, oh yeah, I went out for the weekend and I'm exhausted. And they take like a couple of days to decompress or like, oh, I went out for two weeks and it just totally kicked my butt. It, and that's true. If mm. you go out for a short period of time, you is going on tour and yeah. it, it, whereas we did 21 months straight or whatever, it's yeah. just what you do. It doesn't yeah. become, it's no longer an abnormality. It's just how you live you know i do this this is my routine i wake up i do this i yeah. being at walmart in the morning is not an issue it's yeah. just what you do yeah um yeah but i mean i also i lived in a car i was traveling a lot just sort of nomadically all over the country and was living in a car for or my truck for almost five years oh wow so moving into a sprinter van with the bed is yeah. not, that's an upgrade this yeah. is lo- high living now <laughs> that's what uh me and my partner jeff do is we go around the country um, and just being out on the road, it's like, yeah, it's tiring, mm. but when you're out on the road, you don't realize it. And no. then it's once you have that change of your, like you get your routine going. And then once you change that routine, everything's completely different. Oh yeah. yeah. Like when you come home, it takes a couple of days to adjust to being home. Yeah. But then when you get used to being at home, being on the road is tough. So yeah. it's definitely easier to do one consistently the entire time. Yeah. And traveling in a nice big van like i saw y'all got out there that's that's a lifesaver yeah because we uh travel in a nice little compact suv and if we uh have to sleep in the car it's a little tight yeah we did that for a long time we yeah. had suv and then eventually we towed a trailer and then she had a wonderful cartwheeling interstate wreck that's not that's not why the trailer died well, it's not, no, but... That was a different trailer. Now we have that. But I also, it, it, I don't like to tow trailers anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I, I'd imagine. I'd, actually, I saw there was this one band we had worked with. They had a whole bunk bed system set up. They had a, like a big econo van type situation, mm-hmm. and they took out the back two rows and put up bunk beds. Oh, nice. And so they fit five of them in there. 
That's awesome. That's we were we had three when we were doing the trailer, yeah. but not yeah. definitely not five. Yeah. This has a bed. It's probably as high as this table, and all the gear goes under the bed, yeah. and then there's a closet and dressers, and nice. it's like a little apartment, yeah. basically, nice. just with no running water. Nice. We actually considered bunk beds. We did. Yeah. I was like, would you be offended if I didn't want to sleep next to you? <laughs> I don't know why we nixed that idea. I was all for it. I wanted a slide coming down, though. Maybe that's why we nixed it. Yeah. <laughs> that's awesome. So uh, who's your guys' uh, in musical influences? My absolute favorite artist of any time is Ella Fitzgerald. Who we sound nothing like. We sound nothing like her. That's true. I I do not do her justice by calling her an influence. But um, otherwise, I think John Prine, um, Anais Mitchell, and uh, any any acoustic artist from the early 90s, really. <laughs> It's funny. I always say Towns Van Zandt. He's my favorite. I, I just like the sincerity of it and sort of the dark undertones of the whole thing. He's been my favorite for a long time, as long as I can remember. But then I grew up listening to only punk rock. That was it. That's all yeah. I listened to. And so it's kind of interesting how that has influenced what we sound like, yeah. for sure, because it definitely has a lot of that punk energy of just... I don't necessarily want to say angry, but definitely aggressive and not really pulling any punches with the subtleties of, uh, and lyricism, I guess, of like towns or, I guess we get a lot of Bob Dylan because I play harmonica and have curly hair. But Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was at this show last night and they were, uh, they did this whole special tribute to all these iconic musicians that are start, uh, that have passed away. There's been a lot of them. Yeah, there's been a lot of them this year. And they, like, before they started, they uh, started saying that all these musicians that were around back in the day that are starting to come back out, go out and see them now because the way they lived, you don't know how much longer they're going to live, especially with Malcolm Young just dying. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, from ACDC. Uh, but he had dementia, so that. Yeah, he was Keith with... Richards is not going anywhere. He's like 408 or something. Who, just... Who's the uh, band or musician? that you'd like to see that you haven't had a chance to see before they die. Like keeping in mind that like an older generation from the seventies and eighties and sixties. You have anybody? I'm sort of indifferent. I don't. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I don't know. That's I one thing like that, that you shouldn't ask that question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. That's one thing I think playing music. I, I don't ever even think about seeing other people. I guess it's arrogant. It's I don't have time. Uh, I don't know. Um, well, on our days off, we just really went silence for the most part. <laughs> I, I understand. There's got to be somebody. I'm sure there's somebody that as soon as I said, I would have loved to see Tom Petty yeah. before he died. It's we're too late, though, so that doesn't help you. Um, nobody I can think of offhand that I'm like, I would really love to see before they... Well, for me, it's Billy Joel. Like, that's who I'd like. Like, I mean, not saying that he's I, I might second that, yeah. Billy Joel, I'd like to see before. Just, yeah. I like Billy it's Joel. It's a huge production. Yeah. Worked in the parking department of um, a university <laughs> at one point in time. And when he came to play, just the, the number of trucks that we had to accommodate was incredible. Really? To carry that's... all of his 
instruments and sets and that's interesting i would have never never thought of that never thought of i think it was something like 27 truck i don't know it's a lot of trucks wow wow billy joel that's insane so what's your guys's uh creative process like jordan mostly writes songs while we're driving (laughs) and um Are you talking to me? I don't know what's happening right now. Um, but he just, he comes up with everything in his head and doesn't even have to have an instrument. And uh, he doesn't write it down until I bug him to because I have to have it in writing to learn it. Can't just know what I'm thinking. No, I can't know what you're thinking, sadly. I actually, no, I'm glad I don't know what you're thinking because you are kind of crazy. I don't think I want to experience that. That's funny. But when, when I write, um, which is not as often as Jordan, he he's very prolific and writes constantly. And I do maybe two songs a year, three songs a year, but I come up with a, a little ditty and then I have to sit down with an instrument and, and work it out. And most of the time um, I have trouble coming up with it. Finishing a song may not happen in one sitting for me. Whereas for Jordan, if it doesn't happen in one sitting, it's not good enough and it's not going to happen. That's what ends up happening if I try to write with a guitar, though, which is why I don't. Because if I sit down and start playing guitar, if it doesn't happen like that, then I usually just... I might come back. There are three, actually, right now. It's funny you mention that because it's never happened before and it's kind of been odd for me. There are three songs that I really like that I haven't... They're like 75% done. And normally, maybe I'll give it one second go around and then scrap it. And all three of them I've kind of hung on to for about a month. And I, I don't, I'm not really trying to write them, I guess. They're just there. But at some point, I do feel like we're going to do all three of those. Nice. That's the first time that's ever happened. Though. Normally, I just look like an insane person talking to myself in the car. <laughs> and do this thing with my fingers. Yeah, whatever, whatever works for you. That's all that matters, right? <laughs> Uh, so um, you guys just released an album this past spring, correct? Did I read we did. Your... Okay, perfect. Yeah. I read your Facebook right. Nice, yeah. We try to be very accurate. And then, but... So what was the uh, process going into that when you decided, okay, we want to get ready to record and release an album? Do you guys write for the album or do you just already have a bunch of songs and it's like, okay, this works, this works, this doesn't? We had a ton of songs. I think we knew a general outline of what we were going to put on it mm-hmm. um there were definite probably maybe 10 or 15 songs that we were like we really want these specifically on there and then we actually ended up writing one more in the studio itself kind of unintentionally sort of just they took a, a break for about i don't know maybe like a lunch break or something for an hour there was a kind of a gap in recording and i wrote this song and was like I kind of think we need to do this song. And so start to finish that whole process of recording it and learning to play, it was about 15 minutes and then we just did it. And that's actually the last song on the album. Um, And again, I didn't realize at that time that he was writing a song. (laughs) (laughs) It was all happening in his head. And he said, I think we should do this song. Okay. I assumed that he had written it previously. I didn't know that it was completely fresh, which I quickly learned that it was when... And it he was didn't, total guesswork. He didn't quite know what part he was singing yet. <laughs> yeah, that was interesting. I'm definitely not good at singing harmonies. I've gotten better over time. But 
that was something that I think took me I took me a minute to figure out on on that specifically but um yeah for this this album though I mean we wanted to record it for a long time it's just a matter it takes so much money yeah. to make an album and to promote an album and I mean just getting copies alone will cost you five grand or yeah. whatever is this your first album this is our second okay. we did one in right when we started okay um that came out in March 2015 okay um and that was pretty much a bunch of songs that I had that I felt didn't fit well as a solo artist. I was doing mostly like very folk oriented stuff and it didn't really fit how I felt my sound or whatever it was. Um, Whereas this album, I think is a lot more cohesive to what Fort Defiance sounds like because we, it was us is what we did when she wrote and what I wrote and what we were playing every night what hadn't really fallen off what was the songs that we felt these are every night are going to be in the set list and so we put them and it was it was interesting too because we were touring full time so we did 273 273 shows last year oh wow and the whole time we were playing those songs and you really get a feel for not only how to do them but for how people are going to react and people will come up and like hey I cried during this song and you hear that over and over again or you hear someone like hey that song right here was a really specific song that really hit hit home and uh, I think that helps because you sort of don't have to pick mm -hmm. you have everybody tells you consistently the same and it always ends up being the same songs so you're like okay well, we have these five songs people really like every night they say yeah. so those five have to be on there what do we build around that nice. yeah I've always thought that that was interesting um, as far as comparing us an independent band to a, a band like we have a friend um, who's signed Lucy Dacus and she was not able to play the songs from her new album until her record label said she oh, could wow. because I'm sure behind the scenes they're doing all of this market testing and they're having people go through the same process that we do but as independent artists we have to do that ourselves at our live shows yeah yeah, and I love that. I really, I, I like that a lot. Because there's stuff, like we played a song last night. Um, the second time I ever played it. I actually played it in Mobile two nights ago and then again last night. Nice. And I wrote it uh, on our way between our show. We had a show in Bowling Green, Kentucky, and then in oh. Mobile. And so we had a day off and I wrote it in that gap. What did you guys play in uh, Bowling Green? Tid Bowls. Oh, nice. I, worked, I lived in Bowling Green for about nine months. So oh, nice. I like that. Yeah, We've done... The Capital Arts Center okay. last time, and then we did tip balls this nice, time again. Nice. I had to leave. My allergies were killing me in Bowling Green. Oh, they're awful. Yeah. <laughs> I never realized I had allergies until I moved to Bowling Green. Yeah. And yeah. That's what I, people say about Nashville, too. Yeah. Same thing, yeah. That was the weird part is I never got a chance to go to Nashville while I was there. <laughs> it's like 45 minutes away. Yeah. I, yeah. But I w when I was living in Bowling Green, I was on a super fixed income. I was making seven fifty an hour, working thirty hours a week, so everything was like Yeah, you don't you don't go to Nashville. Yeah. Don't do anything, like hardly went out, just went to work, came back. It was a miserable nine months. Yeah. But, you know, it is what it is. It well, was glad you're here and So you're from Jordan, you're from Central Florida, right? I am, yeah. I was born in Titusville and lived there till I was Maybe 13, 12 or 13. Okay. And then what prompted you to move to Nashville from? I bounced around Florida. I was in Melbourne and then uh, I went to California for 
a little bit to go to school. Okay. Ended up in back in Tampa and then completely on a whim. There are a lot of surrounding situations that just made me want to get out of Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, but Nashville was completely on a whim. It was just like, I think I'm going to go to Nashville. My okay. dad's like, well, when are you going to go? I said, probably tomorrow. And then he goes, where are you going to live? And I said, I'm going to move into my truck. And then he just, we kind of bought some bins and put all my stuff in them and made my truck into like a little RV. Mm-hmm. And the idea was, I'm like, I'll go to Nashville and I'll live here for 30 days in my truck until I decide if I like Nashville, then I'll get an apartment. And 30 days turned into five years. Wow. That's... Again, when you start doing it, it just becomes what you do. Yeah. So. It's... One of these days I'll do that. I keep telling myself that I'll just pick up and move one day, but... That's tough. I did have an apartment for a, a short period of time. Actually, two periods of time. I think six months, and then about a year later for another few months. My license got suspended uh, unknowing, unknowingly. I didn't even do anything. Um, this is a, more a, an error than anything. It's kind of a problem when you're traveling. Uh, sometimes yeah. you don't get your mail. Yes. Yeah. This is very true. <laughs> but when you have a suspended license, you can't live in a car. So you got an apartment then too. Yeah. But that was a fun time too. Nice. And Laurel, so you're from uh, Virginia? Mm-hmm. Lynchburg, Virginia. Nice. Uh, and what prompted you to move there, from there to Nashville? Um, well, my dad was in the Air Force when I was growing up. So we had lived in, um, Virginia was my fifth state. Oh, wow. And so I definitely had the, the travel bug and I kind of thrive on change anyway. Um, yeah. But I, I went to Christopher Newport University for one semester, um, which is in Newport News, Virginia. And it didn't work out there. And so I had to pick a school very quickly. Um, the major that I was, that I had chosen was not quite ready yet. And so they decided to put it off another semester. And I just didn't want to wait around for it to happen. So um, I had originally just applied to East Tennessee State and Christopher Newport. Um, and when we went to visit MTSU in Murfreesboro, I hated it. And wanted nothing to do with it. I was like, let's just go. Uh, let's go visit Nashville. I don't like this school. <laughs> and so that's where I went, obviously. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> because uh, they had a recording industry management program. And I thought that sounded really interesting. Um, I was interested in running a venue and doing something behind the scenes. Because <laughs> I've always been shy and never wanted to really be a performer. No. Um, I didn't didn't get around to doing that until I hit 30 and realized if I don't, I'll probably be mad at myself later. Yeah. yeah. I'm in the same boat. I don't like being out on stage. That's, that's why I'm live streaming right now. Makes this, sense. This is my, uh, this is my compromise to myself. It's a good way to test the waters. Yeah. I put some stuff on YouTube. Uh, I was challenging myself to do that every day for a little while. And then when I met Jordan, I had some a demo to show him. Yeah. Nice. Even though he thought I sounded like an eight-year-old. It wasn't when you sang you sounded like an eight-year-old. It was your introductions. When you sounded like an eight-year-old. Yeah. P- please expand, I guess. She was just really nervous. She was nervous. Okay. And I go into this little baby voice. It's like, this is a song about cats. <laughs> because obviously all of my songs are about cats. Nice. I love cats, by the way. Oh, that's funny. We don't have any songs about cats. Nice. I have a song about so sausage. So you think? Nice. 
Um, before we uh, continue, uh, anybody out there that's watching or listening right now, if you have any questions, feel free to ask. I'm monitoring the feed right now, so I will do my best to get those questions asked. So, back to songs about cats. <laughs> of course. No. Um, I actually have a song called, This is a Song About a Cat. Nice. You have heard it. You just didn't know that it was about a cat. That's the point. Because it sounds like it's about a person. No. But it's really a cat. Oh, okay. That's funny. So, um, no, but yeah, this is kind of my uh, compromise with myself. My uh, couple guys back in Roswell want to start a sci-fi cover band. Interesting. Yes. Like covering sci-fi songs? songs? Like Rush? That's what Rush is. No, doing regular covers are doing covers of songs but in a sci-fi theme and you said no to that oh i am not very musically oriented so i'm still trying to figure out where yeah. my position is get like laser guns what's stuff. that family band called what that band that we played with oh like, man we are also uh, a family band professor, professor fuzz 67 fuzz. or 60 something yeah Professor That's kind of what they were. Oh, really? Sixty something. Yeah. Jeff, they're stealing your idea, man. I mean, I feel like I feel like you should look them up. Okay, I will definitely do that. It was yeah, like a dad, a son, and the mom. She played keyboard, and he played guitar and sang into a telephone. Oh wow! And then the kid played drums. Oh wow! It was interesting. Nice. I think the only musical uh, situation I could ever be a part of is if I played the theremin. Well, that would work. You would have in to have a theremin in a sci-fi band. Yeah, so it's we're just trying to find our lead uh, frontman. That's kind of where yeah. it's at right now. I love that. Well, let us know if that takes off, yeah. and we'll start a podcast and interview you because I think that's awesome. Nice. Our yeah. podcast would never happen. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> we're not good at tech technological things. Oh, it took me six oh. weeks to get this set up. So we can't get the computer working. <laughs> so we have a roommate at home <laughs> since we're never there we have other people live in our house and nice. uh, we recently had the privilege of meeting his grandparents okay. and if you're watching hello <laughs> hi <laughs> uh they were looking at his laptop and parker was our roommate was trying to figure out how to do something and his grandma said well i don't know i i've never touched a computer and he goes, yes, you have, Grandma. She goes, well, I mean, I've touched it like this and just pushes it backwards. <laughs> like, gets a big fingerprint on the screen. It was really hilarious. Wow. And that's back in Nashville? That's back in Nashville. Yeah, he's from like a tiny town in North Carolina. Oh, wow. So everything in, in the big city is hilarious. <laughs> His perspective of what, what should happen and then what actually does happen. Like a street sweeper blew his mind. Wow. He was ran outside to watch the street sweeper one day. It was awesome. It was hilarious. It's like, what is that? <laughs> he said the same thing about the ice cream truck. Oh, yeah. Really? Well, I mean, I can understand the ice cream truck part because not a lot of, like, even in where I grew up, they stopped the ice cream truck after like a few years because, what was it, salmonella or something? Like, there was some. Um medical like that's sad yeah it was it was depressing i don't know how regulated ice cream trucks are it feels yeah. like it's like 
the dude who only smokes in his car is who's selling ice cream. I've never purchased ice cream from an ice cream truck. Really? Yeah, you're no. missing out. I used to every day. Yeah. We would skateboard down the street and try to find it when we would hear the music. Yeah. But I felt like, the well, when I was a kid, I used to think that that was the only place we could get those kind of ice creams, like the Rocket Pops yeah, or me whatever too. else. And then one day I went to Walmart and they had everything I wanted. And I'm like, and it's like way cheaper too. It's, I don't know. You could have had a whole box of Rocket Pops. Yeah. yeah. It's... I just like to support local businesses. <laughs> <laughs> but when they're charging $2 for an ice cream, it's like, eh, you know. But yeah. that's, that's why I didn't ever have any ice cream from an ice cream truck. I just want to know how that business starts. Like, he was like, I'm out of work. I'm going to start an ice cream truck. Or do they quit their job to pursue their dream? Like, what's the thought process between... Behind a, starting an ice cream truck. That is a very good question. Because I'm sure it started back like in the 50s. Yeah. When it made sense to have an ice cream truck. But in 2017, having an ice cream truck is a weird Yeah. Especially job. when you see a lot of the ice cream trucks, they just look like pedophile vans. Yeah. They don't look inviting at all. Yeah. It's they should have Uber ice cream. Other than the ice cream. Yeah. They probably do have Uber ice cream. Uber. Get on, get on I, that. Well, they have like the delivery services that'll... If you're, you go through their app and say, oh, I want ice cream from here. Yeah. I like it with Uber Eats. Yeah. Something, something to that effect, but. But not a specific ice cream. But not Uber ice. Yeah. Yeah. That's. All right. But yeah, that's, that's, that's our little bit on ice cream. You have Uber puppies. Yeah. Yeah. Uber puppies. What? You can get like a puppy temporarily delivered and you play with it for a couple hours. Is this a Nashville thing? I've never. It's heard not of in any. Nashville. It was in L.A. when we were out there, though. Oh, it's an L.A. thing. That makes sense. Yeah, L.A. Land of the weirdos. <laughs> I went out to L.A. once and probably won't ever go back. Oh, it's, I love it out there. Yeah, we actually really enjoy it, but we're weirdos, yeah, so um, it, it's I, too much traffic for me. For one, traffic. Oh, it's better than Nashville. It's better than Nashville. Yeah. So well, I've never been to Nashville, so I, yeah. yeah. Um, too much crampedness, everybody's, it, it just, for me, it seems like everybody's on top of everybody. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd go to San Francisco, though, in a heartbeat. Just, I mean, it's probably not much better in San Francisco. They're but definitely on top of each other. They're definitely on top of each other. But the <laughs> weather in San Francisco is what it's all about for me because it's like a consistent 70 degrees all year round. It's kind of that way in LA too. It, it's like sunnier and more summery feeling where San Francisco gets cold. Yeah. Because it's so windy blowing off the bay. But I like but, that kind of weather. Yeah, like if I, I could too. just walk around all day in a sweatshirt. Yeah, I, you'd be I'm, going. That's where you I, need to go then. I'm it's kind of foggy and there's like a lot of homeless people like pooping on the street and stuff. That's like what San Francisco is. It's like dirty... I lived up there in the Bay Area for oh, three years. Oh, let's see. Somebody's I love that city, though. Oh, let's see. We got, somebody... we got ice cream men and homeless defecation out of the way. What else do we, <laughs> what are we trying to talk about? All right. My buddy Ricky wants to know is how tiring is it to perform on stage? I usually have more energy after the show or at, toward the end of the show than I do when we start. But I'm weird. Yeah. I, I tend to get more 
Well, that makes energetic as it that goes makes on. sense because you get warmed up, and I mean, I'm sure you have your show down to a point where you don't play past a certain time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you you're kind of building up, and then if you were to, I'm sure you were to, if you if you were to play like if you're used to playing like a 90 minute or a two hour mm. set, and then you it's like one night it's like oh let's play a three hour set. Yeah, that's what we did like last, last night. night. Oh, mm. really? Nice. Uh, I'm sure you'd see like you'd start to dip off because your body gets accustomed to... Yeah, I don't know, man. Not, I don't think so for him. It's really... It varies. Really? Okay. Yeah, it varies by the night. Like, for me, for sure, three hours is the most that I want to do, and I, I don't want to play more than that. And I definitely get tired in the third hour, but... I don't feel like people want to listen to anything for long. Yeah, I wouldn't want to listen to the same artist play for that long. Yeah. Usually, they bring in an opener any more than that. Oh, Yeah. But even for a three hour show to not have an opener, that's still kind of. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, Jordan, I think is. Uh, he gets more energetic, so people don't really notice that I'm getting more and more tired. Yeah. Hopefully. I don't you think you probably just got a adrenaline that kicks in and just don't know how tired you. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't know. But then usually for about two hours after a show, I'm totally wound up. Okay. Whereas I want to go directly to bed. Yeah. Okay. But then I want to go to sleep before we play. It's hard for me to start a show. I'm like, I don't want to go play this show. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. I, I know a lot of people like that. They're either excited to start the show, and then by the end of the show, they're just kind of like, eh. Or they're, eh, before the show, and then afterwards, it's like, all right, let's go again. I'm right. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's, so um, that'll kind of lead into the next question. What's your wind-down process after the show? I, I've heard some very interesting stories on this. It's kind of your wind down process. Do we have a wind down process? I don't think so. I've actually never heard about that. Our typical routine is we go get food somewhere and then I send about 40 emails to book more shows. Mm, yeah, I guess my routine is... And go through all the comments and stuff on pictures. Like I'm, and, a, I'm a total introvert. Okay. So talking to people after the show and we, we pass out noisemakers. Uh-huh. So I normally go around the room and collect all the noisemakers and, and get to talk to a lot of people. Um, and by that last person, when I get to the merch table, I'm just exhausted nice. from, from putting out all this energy conversing with strangers, which is great. I mean, it's one of the, the best parts about this job. Um, just as an introvert, it, it, it takes a toll on my energy level. And so normally I just want to pass out. Nice. That's, that's awesome. So where do you guys see yourself going? Where do, where do you want to take this? Where, where What's the ultimate end goal for Fort Defiance? I mean, I guess to be able to tour because we want to, not because we have to. Mm-hmm. Like now it's what we do. It's our job. We've got to go to work every day. If we don't go to work, bills don't get paid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, uh, obviously playing bigger shows and just being at a level of sustainability where if we play a hundred shows, everything is getting paid. We can take time off and we can have money and financial stability to, and we own a house, but really to start a family and to do whatever we want to do. Um, as opposed to now, if we don't do 250 shows, then we're hurting. Yeah. Um, so I think just being able to be at a point where you, you have that freedom that, I mean, where, you know, you can get out, a thousand people every night or whatever, however many, um, to be able to not only have the outlet to push your songs and to, to reach people and to sell albums and 
just to be overall, I guess, known. I don't really care about necessarily notoriety, mm-hmm. but definitely we wouldn't do it if we didn't want to try to reach people in some capacity and be able to get songs out to people. So I guess just to have a listener base and a following big enough to support actually being on the road less. Nice. But if we want to do. Yeah, having um, defined tours, whereas now people ask, how long has this tour been? Well, uh, it's just a long of, time. Uh, it's all we do. <laughs> yeah. Do you guys have plans of filling out into a, like a bigger band or you just want to keep it a duo? I, I don't really know. I, I don't think so. I think we would keep it a duo. It's it, definitely not a singer-songwriter type thing where it's more in the vein of, I guess, Shovels and Rope or something or where you're playing or even like, doesn't sound like them or the White Stripes or whatever, but it's two people is really the full band. Yeah. So we're stomping on stuff and kicking things and playing multiple things at once. And every night people are like, I heard it from outside and came in. I couldn't believe it was only two people. And it's like, nice. that's what we do. That's kind of the, the thing. So I think we used to have a third person who played drums and uh, he's a really good friend of ours, but it's sort of unnecessary yeah. addition. Um, but I mean, down the road, if we were, again, if we were at a point of being able to pay a band to play six yeah. or seven songs with us a night, I would, I would love to just being able to carry that yeah. um, for the option of it. Because we do a lot of songs that on the recording, they're totally different than we do them live because they have very defined drum parts or a, another guitar part or a piano part that's really specific. We can usually only do a portion of that. Nice. What do you think about that? I agree with all that. Cool. That's, and it gets kind of hard um, bringing in a third person because then it's like, especially when, because you two are married, correct? Yeah. Yes. Especially when you got a married couple that's out and then you bring in a third person, they kind of feel like that third wheel. I've seen that situation play out a few times. Yeah. I'm it, sure Dave felt like that. I don't know. Maybe he's used to it. Dave was always the third wheel, though, because, I mean, really, when we first got together, I was the third wheel in the little relationship you had with Dave. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I mean, we weren't dating or anything, but no. probably wouldn't have known that. <laughs> <laughs> so what's, um, what's the... I'm trying to think how I want to word this question. Being in a relationship and touring all the time, is there how big of a strain is that on the relationship? Is that or is it just become so much part of your life that it's not really? I think in the well, maybe not the very beginning, but in the the first year of being on the road constantly, um, it put a lot of strain on things. Um, we were just f- figuring out how to be a couple figuring out how to be on the road and just learning each other still because we had just gotten married and, and it was the first time that I had been away from home without a place to retreat to. And so I think that took a lot of adjustment, um, and getting our, I had been in a car accident too. Um, and so just the physical, um, healing from that, that was a process to get through because I didn't want to be in the car all the time because my back hurt. 
And I'm sure I complained way too much. And so, <laughs> yeah, we had a, we had a lot of, um, of difficulty that first year, but I've healed physically and we've learned to, you know, work with each other's quirks. And I, th- I think we're good now that we have a place to, to go to. I mean, really we're, we're in a really great place. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, t- we have the opportunity I feel to go through like what normal couples do in the first 10 years in one year. And we were literally with each other every moment of every day for a year. Nice. Um, and so now we're in the, we're in like the old people stage. Yeah, I think you're right. <laughs> um, yeah. And I think mean, there were a lot of things contributing to that too. I mean, being in super close quarters with anybody gets difficult and starting something new from the ground up of just a band that nobody has ever heard about trying to go play almost 300 shows in 46 different states and traveling around. And so you're sort of like feeling a lot of different stresses and strains from different areas that are unrelated to your relationship that become part of the relationship. Cause every day you kind of feel like we're putting all this effort into doing something and four people came out to a show tonight and we made 60 bucks or whatever. Or, and you do that over and over again. So then you get in, frustrated at the crappy venues which just puts you in a bad mood and then I take that out on her and then she's already sore from driving 10 hours because we didn't know how to properly route a tour so we're driving from Des Moines to Denver Mm. on and then playing the next day or whatever I think it's just a matter of learning if we drive three hours or five hours, we're okay. But driving 10 hours is not going to, we're not going to feel right. We're not going to feel good. And not driving all night doesn't, doesn't work. And just sort of learning how to do the business aspect of it. And then shows have gotten better and then therefore the money gets better. And then I think it's just learning to tough through a relationship in kind of, I guess the birth of a business mm. uh, really helped our personal relationship. And I think it turned that helped kind of forced me to change my approach on the business side of things too, which then helped the business as well. So you kind of already met or mentioned this in your, um, what's the art of booking a tour? (laughs) Sending out way more emails than you ever want to send out. Um, If we're home, it's a lot easier because you can just sit down and watch Mad Men or whatever and, sort of tuned it out and sent 250 don't emails. Don't tell us how it ends. Yeah, don't tell us how it ends. Um, but I'd send, I mean, hundreds of emails every night just watching a football game or watching whatever um, and not even really paying attention to it, just sending emails over and over and over mm-hmm. again and looking at a route or typically I guess I would like, hey, we're going to go through the Midwest this specific month. Usually you're doing it about four or five months out. Mm-hmm. Now we're booked a little farther than that. Um, we just shoot out 1,500 emails or whatever over the course of a couple of days and then people start responding back and try to piece it together where it makes sense. Yeah. Um, we've done it enough now. I guess we've done about 500 shows in the, since we left and uh, we know a lot of the venues really well, especially the, the better venues. 
And so we have relationships to them where we tend to play the show and then set something up within a couple of days for right. six months out. And that helps because you know where you're going to be. It, it's funny is this year we've played a lot of the same venues on the exact same day we played them the year before. So it's oh. kind of, kind of interesting. That's awesome. Um, is there any place you guys haven't played yet that you would like to play like a city or a, or a venue specific venue? I want to play the Ryman. Um, we haven't played in Maine or Montana or North Dakota. I think those are the only ones we haven't played in. The only states we haven't played in. I don't really think there's anywhere that... I mean, there are obviously bigger venues. We're playing on pretty small places. Mm-hmm. Um, like 300 capacity is really the biggest place we're ever going to play. And that's playing with somebody else. Um I can't think of any I, venue that we care. could be playing in <laughs> that we haven't been playing in. I mean, other than like, oh, I want to play the Bridgestone Arena or something. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. it's I not. Don't, even I don't really care about arenas. Worth, yeah, it's not really worth even being a goal. Yeah. Have you guys played Roswell, New Mexico? I know we had kind of talked about this before. We haven't. We played Madrid and Albuquerque. And we're at an Albuquerque Burt's Tiki Lounge or. We played at a brewery last time, didn't we? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. We played. I, I was always trying to remember. Uh, tractor, Tra- yeah, okay. Tractor Brewing. Yeah. I, I know a lot of musicians that play there. Yeah, we played Tractor Brewing. Yeah, if you want to change it up, uh, go down to Roswell. Look up um, either or Roswell and the area. Check out Milton's Brewery or okay. uh, the Liberty. Okay, those are two. The Liberty will give you the biggest venue in Roswell. Okay, just. The Liberty or the winery, they're owned by the same people. Oh, cool. Um, so if you ever want to go out there and play. Yeah, we're going back out there. We like to go out there when it's cold because it's not cold there. So January, pretty much? Oh, yeah, January, February, and where it's even up into March where it's cold everywhere else. Yeah. Staying south. We braved it this year in February. Yeah. We were up in Utah, Wyoming, Colorado. Ooh. It was an adventure. It was cold. I wouldn't say that I braved it, but okay. We got through it. Just kind of be. (laughs) It happened to us. (laughs) Be careful in the Southwest in January because they'll get that one freak snowstorm that they're not prepared for. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's very funny. Like coming from Chicago where three feet of snow on the ground and we're still going to school, you know, just insane amount of snow and go down to Roswell, New Mexico and they have three inches and it's like the apocalypse. It's, it's kind of unnatural. Yeah. Is. I've if only it, lived in the South. So if someone I, like opens their freezer, they close school. That's <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> in Nashville. Really? Yeah. For everything. Really? We get snow there and a lot of ice, mostly ice. Yeah, it's ice. more that the ice causes a problem. Yeah. But they don't have the equipment to handle it. So it's like, there was a slight bit of snow flurry last night, so we're going to close everything. Interesting. It's pretty I, bizarre. I would assume in Nashville they'd at least be ready for that because... They rent all the trucks. Though. They also all the trucks, if there is an issue, they all come down from like Indiana and oh, Ohio. Okay. So it takes oh. them a minute. They don't... Have anything readily available? Ah, okay, that makes sense. A big city like I don't, I don't know. I've it never shuts down. That's and then they come up with some clever hipster name for it. They spent all their money on cranes. 
So they Crane. don't have any left to purchase any. Yeah. Snow clearing. Those aren't owned by the city. Are they? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> There's cranes everywhere. The whole city is filled with gigantic construction cranes. So did Nashville come up with the uh, snowstorm Goliath that hit the southwest a couple of years back? Or I don't know. They call it the last one was snow or ice apocalypse. Oh, is that that was the one that? Or no, that wasn't the New York one. I think that was snow apocalypse 2016. Yeah, that was a How I Met Your Mother episode called Snow Apocalypse 2016. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it was a, yeah, just a bunch of ice covered everything. Yeah, that sucked. Actually, yeah. I was at work when I was working at Guitar Center back then. That was not 2016. Though. That was 2014. Did I know you then? I think it was 2014 when yeah, that happened. Because we got married in 2015. Yeah, so it was 2014. So yes, you knew me. I knew I knew you in 2014. I was trying to think if it was in January of 2014. I remember I had just given you an ice scraper. Or asked you if you wanted an ice scraper, and then you texted me about using a CD to get everybody out of the parking lot. I apologize to all of the really not good bands that give us CDs because they end up being used to scrape snow off our windshield. (laughs) Uh, That's not a very friendly thing to say. And it's as long as they don't know that they're the band that's getting used to scrape snow. Yeah, I guess no harm, no foul. No, it takes a pretty bad band for me to be like, you know what, <laughs> we're scraping ice off the windshield with your record. Thank you for being useful. <laughs> but I've only yeah. done that. I guess there's only been three or four. Yeah. And then she bought me a snow scraper, so I don't have that excuse anymore. Yeah. So what did you guys do before you went on the road full time? What was your nine to five situation? I worked at Guitar Center for a long time. Now, were you a knowledgeable employee at Guitar Center? Yes. Because okay. I yeah. know a lot of Guitar Centers that are not knowledgeable. That's kind of a the overall reputation and probably an accurate reputation yeah. of the vast majority of Guitar Center. But in Nashville, where I mean, that store is huge. Mm-hmm. And you sort of have to be because the okay. customers know so much. Because I went there a couple weeks ago to get a 3.5 to quarter inch adapter. Okay. I had no idea what I was talking about. Okay. Yeah. That guy should get fired. But that's and, how the vast majority of Guitar Center employees are. And then he had, that's, he had another you. reason I didn't like Jordan when I first met him. Wow. So I was like, you work at Guitar Center? Uh. But no, I actually made very good money. But working in Nashville. Yeah. I mean, the store is huge. You sell a lot, especially yeah. if you know. But there are like probably five, maybe six guys that know. I mean, we all knew vintage gear inside and out. Yeah. You could take apart a guitar and authenticate it and amps and the same thing. And just, I mean, I know really acoustic gear and vintage gear really, really well. And I mean, those dudes... A lot of that staff there, you have to know stuff. Yeah. If you don't know stuff, you're going to get Especially left out there. So yeah, there's a lot of knowledge in that store. Yeah. Then you kind of, if you go to one of the smaller stores around there in, in either direction, there's going to be a lot less because they don't have to know. Yeah. But like Berry Hill is right across the street from the store and that's where Blackbird Studios are yeah. and the House of Blues Studios. And I mean, if you've got huge name bands recording a hundred yards away and they come over to get something and you don't know what they're talking about. Your reputation is going to get shot pretty quickly. So they make sure it's staffed very well. Um, yeah. Nice. Yeah. It's, 
it's to that point where I don't even go to guitar. I'm the same way, and I worked for him for a long time. That's but, yeah. Nashville's sort of an anomaly because it's a very. But I feel like I mean, you have Gruen Guitars and Carter Vintage, who are two of the biggest. They're sort of the authorities on vintage gear, right down the street. And so if you're going to try to even compete with them and sell vintage gear and sell high-end stuff, you have to know it. Yeah. Otherwise, someone's going to come to you and you don't, you can't answer the questions they can't. Yeah. So they have guys in there that have gone back and forth from Gruen into Guitar Center, from Guitar Center over to Gruen. Just, that's a, probably the only store I've been in anywhere in the country, other than Los Angeles. Um, the the uh, L.A. store, for the same reason, because all the rock stars and stuff go there, they're pretty knowledgeable too. Nice. But the other 246 or whatever don't know anything. Um, I was a professional organizer, among many other things. But that's the the job that I still, uh, when we go home for a long enough period, I try to get back in there. And um, I call it my vacation job. Okay. <laughs> um, by professional organizer, what do you mean exactly? Um, well, the business that I worked for is called Home and Office Transitions. And we help people move for the most part. Okay. Um, so we do just organizing as in, let me set up your kitchen for you or okay. organize your clothes by color and season. Um, but we also work people through the whole moving process. So we help them purge before the move, oversee the packing and um, moving of the stuff to the new place and then unpacking and organizing it in the new house. Oh, nice, nice. So I said I thrive on change before. That's why I I love that job, and it kind of lets me live vicariously through other people. I could have used that when I was moving from Roswell to here. That yeah, is, probably. I was in a a little apartment, and I was like, oh, yeah, all this will fit in the back of my car. <laughs> and me and my buddy just packed it as much as we could in, and it's like, oh, not even half of this stuff fit in the back of my car. I am terrible at this. <laughs> so what do we throw away? You know? Yeah. Because my mom asked me, she was like, well, do you want me to drive out there so you have another car? And it's like, no, mom, I'm not going to ask you to drive 24 hours from the east coast of Florida to Roswell, New Mexico, just to save $300 worth of crap. I'm going to throw it away and then <laughs> we'll worry about it later. Because a lot of the stuff I had down there was... Stuff that people had just kind of given to me for free. So it's right. like, I'm not worried about it. Like the only thing I left down there was a couple of lights for some of the filming stuff I do. But I gave it to a friend. I was like, hold on to this. I'll be back in May. There you go. So That's funny because uh, at this very moment, my parents are on a cross-country trip to California oh, nice. from Virginia to take my sister a carload of crap. I don't know why I almost, when you said cross-country, my brain was like, Cross country ski trip. Like skiing? Like they're skiing. Well, my dad really does like the Nordic trek. <laughs> He's on a Nordic trek in a pickup bed pretending to ski from Virginia to California. <laughs> That's funny. That would be awesome. They're trying to downsize, so they're uh they're taking all the stuff they've been hoarding for my sister out to California. Nice. Where they can put it in their attic instead. I have a mental image of your dad pretending to ski. It's really funny. <laughs> Imagine passing that on the internet. What is that guy doing? <laughs> uh, that's funny. <laughs> the idea of somebody just yeah. <laughs> pretending to ski. There was a guy 
when I was in college out in California, who did this swim across America thing. We started thinking about it and we're like, you can't really. There's not enough connecting bodies of water to swim from the Pacific to the Atlantic. And so that was this whole thing. But we were trying to figure out how he was doing it. And we're like, well, maybe he gets in a swimming pool like in the back of a truck and he swims while they drive to the next body of water. So he's swimming the whole time. But no, it was like, like that just, hot tub vehicle. Like the Barbie vehicle? Wait, is there a Barbie vehicle like that? Like a limo yeah. with a hot tub in the back. Oh, I didn't know that. I was thinking of... Um, Come on, do the guys know about the Barbie hot tub? <laughs> That's weird. Uh, <laughs> I was right, thinking about on Parks and Rec. Yeah. That, like party. I don't know. It turns thing. out he was just going like swimming like as far as he could until he would run out of water and then they would just drive to the next body of water. Oh. He didn't really do it. He drove Not a lot a of pool. the way. He just swam in several bodies of water in a line across America. Not Way to go, guy. Yeah, pretty much anyone can do that. <laughs> Sorry. I bet you're actually a really cool person. <laughs> so. <laughs> He's watching right now. And like. <laughs> uh, so um, I guess we'll kind of start wrapping this up a little bit so you guys can get on your on the road to Fort Walton Beach. But before we do, I'm going to ask you our favorite question. Okay. Why music? It's all I know how to do. Or all that I want to do, I guess. On my end. If I don't do it, I go crazy. I've tried to not do it, and it doesn't work out. Okay. If I didn't go with him, then I would be lonely. Well, that's cheerful. (laughs) (laughs) And I would have 17 cats. Probably more. Nice. But, uh, that's awesome. That's, that wasn't the answer I was expecting. I was, yeah, but, you know. Sorry, it's not very profound. No, it's just 13 cats. Seems like a very specific. 17. 17? 17. Yeah, 17. It's a very specific number. Yeah. Well, if you have 18, then you're just crazy. <laughs> All right. And on that note, no, I'm just <laughs> But, um, we're done. What is it? We haven't talked about anything. <laughs> what's the, um, what, what's the rest of the tour looking like? I know you're touring consistently, but what, what, are, some <clears throat> up, what are the, some of the upcoming shows you guys got? Rest of the year, we've got Fort Walton Beach, and then we're going down to West Palm. Uh, we have a few days off to spend with my family in Central Florida. We got West Palm, uh, in Jacksonville, Knoxville, Asheville, up to Pennsylvania, all the way up through uh, New York, New Jersey, Rhode Island, back down the East Coast. Kind of going all the way up and then turning around and coming all the way back down across Georgia, back into Nashville, and then through the Midwest and back to Nashville to end at Christmas. So kind of making a big, sort of clover design nice and then you just kind of sit there or take a break for a few weeks after once christmas hits or a few days we're in nashville uh we're playing the 21st through the 24th i guess we end we ended back in nashville on christmas day uh and then we leave again the 28th okay um we're going uh over to virginia playing some shows for new year's and then working our way back 
down along I-40 through Texas and going out west again. Oh, nice, nice. So, we rarely take off more than a few days at a time. Cool. Where can uh, they find you on the interwebs, social media, all that fun stuff? Uh, Facebook. Um, Facebook.com backslash Fort Defiance Music. You can go to fortdefiance.com as well. And you can download and stream and listen to music and even stuff that's not on any album. Uh, as well as order shirts and buttons and stickers and any merchandise you want. That also has links to our YouTube and Instagram. Uh, Instagram is just fort.defiance. We never use Twitter. Uh, we have a Twitter, but I don't know that we even have ever logged into it. Nice. So We're logged into it. I you, am logged into it. If you follow that. It mostly just posts things from other social media. Yeah. It's not a very good account. I wouldn't follow it. You yeah. can follow it. Follow it. You should follow up. it. You should you totally should follow, follow it. it. It'll be wildly exciting. Nice. You should also sign up for our mailing list at fortdefiance.com. Yeah. It's on the front page. Nice. Put your real email address in there. Not a <laughs> fake one. Please. Why do you get hit with the uh, can or return the uh, not a valid email if you try and send them anything? Or is... No, that never happened. Why would someone sign our mailing list with a fake email address? Wait, really? There's no perk. You can tell that I am the one who updates the mailing list because Jordan has no idea. I'm going to have to send all the stuff through it, so I'm looking at it, but I just don't... It's not a matter of do people do it or not. It's a matter of why. What's the purpose of signing up for someone's mailing list? It's not like sign up and get a free t-shirt. It's just you sign up voluntarily. I don't know. I you don't, there's no benefit. I think it's like, ha I'm drunk. What, but what if it was like an honest mistake? Like, like they really have these weird email addresses. I don't know. And I worked at guitar center for a long time. People have some crazy email addresses <laughs> and they would come in like, I ordered this and it's like, what's your email address? And then they would 100% fake email at gmail.com or whatever. Okay. <laughs> And they would get coupons and stuff sent to them. What's the craziest email that you assumed was fake? I honestly don't know. Okay. Like I've written them off in my head. Okay. So but my favorite email address ever is, <laughs> I won't tell you where, but it's butterflies are free to fly. Oh, nine. Oh, shit. Like there were other people who had the email address, butterflies are free to fly. Oh, nine. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's Elton John. Yeah. You're number nine. There was a dude at Guitar Center whose name, his email address was Demon Ball Crusher 666. And then I <laughs> met him, and he was like the most professional, like, was wearing a suit. Yeah. Was not the person I expected to have that email address at all. It was like a doctor well, or a minister or something. Certain, <laughs> I don't know. We're starting to get to that point now where people have had these email addresses for like 10, 15, 20 years. Oh, so yeah. Maybe. yeah. Like that's an email he had when he was like 14 and it's like, oh, it's such a badass email. And now yeah. he's out in the professional world still using that email. Still using that email because that's what everyone knows to email him. Yeah. It's like, need an attorney? Email. <laughs> <laughs> email. It's Demon really Ballbuster. That's funny. That for me um, was I signed up for Yahoo email mm-hmm. when I was in a, gosh, what grade was that? I don't know. It's like a computer applications class. I was forced to do it in high school and it's volcanic pancreas because that's just what I could come up with in my class. 
Nice. In fact, then you didn't really think anyone was ever going to use your email address. Yeah. I was like, right. this is something that I'm using for some class. Yeah. But now, like, as things kept getting linked, you started using your Yahoo to log into other things. Yeah. I don't even know if it exists anymore, really, but... That's how it is with my Facebook page. It's like it's linked to my YouTube account. Yeah. Yeah. Like I, I there's a YouTuber I watch and his YouTube handle is Captain Sparkles. It's it's like, I wonder what you were thinking when you came up with that. That's it's probably about unicorns. Maybe. Nailed it. Yeah. <laughs> but um my nails are sparkling. Yes. Captain Sparkles. <laughs> You've done a wonderful job staying on track today. That's all good. That's what podcasts are about. <laughs> yes, exactly. Especially our podcast. We have a tendency to just go on side rants, especially when there's like six of us and I go back and listen to them. There was like a conversation happening over here that I wasn't even paying attention to because I can't hear them. And I'm paying attention to these two guys over here, but they're over. We're over here talking about the profound effect Billy Joel had on their lives, but they're over here talking about pizza that they had from three days ago. That's just kind of rude. I mean, it is, but it isn't, but you know, it's just one of those things where it's like, I have to go back and listen to see if I pick up on any of the side conversations, just because those are some of the conversations that are actually pretty hilarious. Yeah. yeah. So you can listen to it multiple times. Yes. It's a good idea. Yes. But thank you guys for sitting in on this. It was a blast. Nice early oh, yeah. morning. Thanks for, Sunday. Thanks for having us. Yeah. It's really not that early. No. I I'm, I mean, I'm so used be. to musicians being like, oh, 10 o'clock, that's really early for me. But, you know. I mean, we all... wouldn't have woken up otherwise, but if we have something to do, we always will get up and do it. <laughs> nice. If you're going to do a radio interview, a lot of times. Probably going to get some coffee after really this, though. Early. What do we have to do? A live TV performance at like 5 a.m. in yeah. Iowa? Or 5.30? Oh, like yeah. That's, yeah. That's. Yeah. Then you're being, people see you. Yeah. And then you're like, who is watching this right now? But somehow people are like, oh, I saw you earlier today on the television. Yeah, that's that's true. Um, no, usually what they'll do on the TV is they'll pre-record it, I think. Cause that was like a live morning show, though. Oh, was it? Yeah. Okay. Good morning, Iowa. Have you guys, <laughs> you guys are uh, you guys played U- uh, Utah, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Have you done the Park City TV stuff? We have not. No. You might want to look that up. It's uh, basically, they just do live performances. I, I think it's like a public access channel. I haven't looked that much into it, but a lot Sounds of the, like uh, jam. A lot yeah. of the uh, um, Utah locals that I know, they're always posting their latest Park City TV huh. stuff. So definitely next time you're out there, check Park it out. City. Yeah, I'm going to put that on my phone. And check out Live and Apple. What? Yeah, uh, check out our YouTube channel, Live and Amplified, uh, live performances. Well, I'll follow yeah. that. Maybe next time you guys get down here, we'll get you on an episode, and, and we uh, do uh, give musicians the platform, kind of like this, but it's uh, we do four live performances, and then you talk about the songs and talk about kind of like what we did here today, but okay. more performance based. And oh, nice! Right. It's it's fun. Two years strong. Congratulations! Yeah. That's awesome. So, but thank you again, guys. Um, 
And that's going to be it for today. Thank you for everyone for tuning in. I've noticed that we had a little bit of technical issues, but hopefully everything got worked out in the process. Um, don't forget to check us out live and amplified.net or watch us on YouTube at live. No, not at live and amplified. Just search live and amplified. If you go at live and amplified, I don't know where the hell you'll end up. <laughs> um, uh, Facebook at live and amplified um, Twitter, Snapchat, I think I have a Snapchat. I'm not really sure at this point. Ooh. Yeah, we're, we're, we're cutting edge over here. Um, Instagram, you know, all that fun stuff. Uh, thanks to our sponsor, tweakedaudio.com. Uh, use the code word amplified for 33% off your purchases. That goes to us so we can continue doing these podcasts. So uh, thank you again, guys, for thank coming you for in. Having us. Thanks for having and, us. And uh, we will see you next time.